All right, we're in Matthew 18. I'm not sure I started the recording yet, so I should probably do that. I did not. And last time we finished the Sermon on the Mount, you have a handout that I wrote 10 years ago. So I don't know if I'll even get to any of it, especially, except on the back page, I know that I will talk about the chart of Roman soldier ranks. We, I will get to that, at, at, um, um, certainly. And I'll even um, maybe attempt to pronounce some of the Latin there uh, for you. But let's get going with the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus departing from the mountain. Matthew 8, 1. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And just then a leper came to him and bowed down to him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Uh, let's go back to the word leper. Um, how much do you know, not know, want to know, don't want to know about lepers and leprosy? Um, Say that again. That was the fear. That was. Yeah. Um, I, well, and, and not only the fear of contagion, but the fact that it made a person uh, unclean, ceremonially unclean um, in Israel. And that was because uh, a person with leprosy um, can unknowingly um, be bleeding. And it's the contact with blood that's forbidden, um, which is why you cannot touch a corpse and so forth. And why soldiers after battle would be unclean until sundown and, and other things along those lines. Um, but with, uh, now there, there are things that are um, called leprosy, sometimes in ancient times that were not necessarily leprosy. They might have been uh, what, uh, uh, for example, eczema, you know, or just a bad skin condition. I think that dandruff might, dandruff might qualify as a fear of leprosy at some time. Um, some of you here have been around long enough uh, that you may remember that Pastor Henning had a skin condition on his head. Um, he had a, a, a discoloration on his head. And that probably would have sent him to the priest at least once in his lifetime to go get checked out over that. Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? Um, and so forth. That was just a discoloration. It wasn't you know, anything, not even a, a, a condition. It was just a discoloration, I think, from childhood. But, um, but true leprosy, which is what we call uh, today Hansen's disease, has two varieties, and there's a third one as well. But Primarily, there is, uh, forgive me, but there's a dry leprosy and a wet leprosy. Um, I'm not going to give you too many details. Um, but uh, essentially, leprosy uh, in those two forms uh, means a, a, a gradual deadening of the nerves of the extremities. And so an individual becomes numb in their... Uh, fingers, toes, feet, hands, uh, probably hips and rear end, and then ears and nose in particular. Um, and the problem there is if you're completely numb in those areas uh, and you walk past a tree or something and get a scratch, you wouldn't know it. 
because it wouldn't hurt. But if you've scratched yourself and don't know it for a while, uh, it can become infected and uh, it can become gangrenous. And then, and then your skin is rotting. And that's the problem with leprosy in general, is that um, a, a modern leper, and it still occasionally happens, has to do something called a VSE. VSE stands for Visual Surveillance of the Extremities, where a person today with leprosy is trained to actually look at their hands and feet and look in the mirror at their ears and nose in particular um, to make sure that I'm not, you know, this is, it's not just a daily ritual, but it's almost like during COVID when we started washing our hands you know, every hour almost or whatever it was, or every time you got near somebody, you know, I've, for me, it was just after I got out of the car. Like, why am I washing my hands? Well, because I'm kind of that obsessed with, with, uh, with that, which I'm kind of still in the mode of. Um, but um, in ancient Israel, a leper would be living in an outside area by himself in a little tent or hut, or maybe in a colony, um, leper colonies still happen occasionally. Anybody know where the most famous one in America is or was? Way to go, Marsha. Molokai, I believe on the north side of the island in Hawaii, um, was a very inaccessible cliff face and, uh, and a long uh, stair climb up to this little kind of a convent where this little uh, uh, community would be for lepers on, on, on Hawaii. Um, and uh, I think that today it's no, there, I don't think there are any lepers living there today, but it's still, there are still some people who live there, um, kind of in an inaccessible place. It's a little bit of a tourist attraction, but not the kind of thing that most of us would probably want to visit. Some unusual individuals like myself maybe, but otherwise, no. Um, in Israel, a person with leprosy had to shout if he heard somebody coming. Outcast, unclean, leper, you know, so they wouldn't come into contact. If a leper, because of his leprosy, lost his voice, he would probably have a bell and a stick that he could shake and people would understand he's a leper. Um, he would very likely be dressed in rags so people would understand also that this is a leper. His family could visit him, they could, but they couldn't have any contact with him, but they could leave him food. And many lepers were only fed this way by what some family member could give um, occasionally. That might be a daily or a weekly thing, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but in all of the Old Testament, how many cases of leprosy were cured? Say that again. Naaman the Syrian, also kind of briefly, Miriam, Moses' sister, she had it for like four minutes. I mean, you know, that was, it was hardly. Um, and uh, actually, come to think of it, Moses too as kind of a miraculous, I don't want to say parlor trick, but he didn't actually do that in front of Pharaoh. God just had him do it um, on Sinai first. And then Miriam got into trouble and had that for a moment also. And she ended up, just having to go outside the camp for a, a while, but it was a couple days. But uh, Naaman, who was a Gentile, had leprosy, and Elisha the prophet healed him without actually talking to him face to face. He just delivered a message through his servant, 
It said, go wash in the Jordan um, seven times, and he did it. And of course, since Naaman was not an Israelite, he was not required to make the sacrifices that an Israelite would have to make. Nobody that I know of in the Old Testament made the sacrifices for being cured of leprosy. Um, there may have been individuals who were wrongly thought to be leprous, like they had eczema or whatever, and they had to go and check, and oh, it's not leprosy, but make the sacrifices. Oh, well, thanks a lot, but yeah, okay, I'll do that. Because it amounted, there was, a, there was a, a, an expense, you know, three uh, lambs or something like that. I mean, it was costly, but, uh, but the, this leper, rather than letting Jesus find him, he came to Jesus, which is really unusual. It's a pretty bold thing because he's not supposed to be in contact with people, but he goes to Jesus anyway and makes, uh, a, in, the, in the bottom of the, of, the, of the text there, a perfect prayer. If you are willing, you can make me clean. That, that, that's an absolutely perfect prayer. He starts with faith with Lord, acknowledges who Jesus is, and he leaves it entirely to Jesus. If you are willing, you can do this. You can make me clean. Um, there's nothing lacking there at all. And uh, I, uh, uh, this is just a text in Leviticus that tells us how to tell. Um, um, but going back to, to Matthew, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Um, that was pretty bold as well. Uh, because contact with a leper would mean that you might contract leprosy. Um, and contact was forbidden. But contact was also forbidden with a dead body. And um, seminarian Balgi preached a sermon this weekend on Luke 11, right? Uh, no, sorry, Luke 7, 11 to 17. Luke 7 it was also my first sermon text. And uh, what did Jesus touch there? Yeah, the, cat, the, the, the beer, the platform that the dead boy was being taken out with. Normally, if a human being were to, in Israel were to touch a dead body, he would become ceremonially unclean. Jesus touches a dead body, and what happens instead? Body comes to life. Uh, normally, uh, an Israelite would touch uh, a leper and probably be accused of or at least be on the watch for leprosy. Jesus touches the leper and what happens? The leper is cured. So you have the opposite effect with Christ, uh, with uh, God himself. He says, I am willing, be clean. And immediately he was healed of his leprosy. And there I'm kind of reminded also of uh, when, uh, when Isaiah is called by God in Isaiah 6, um, and he has this vision of the seraphim flying around God with, remember how many wings they had? Six, Six wings. With, they only had to have two to fly, but they covered their faces with two and they covered their feet with two as they sing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Um, heaven and earth are full of your glory. That's their song. Um, and Isaiah just focuses immediately on his problem. I'm a man of unclean lips exactly um, and what does God do uh, God sends a seraph one of the angels flies over to an altar and there's a coal there brings it over um, touches Isaiah's lips with the coal and immediately God is or, or there, Isaiah is atoned for 
that sin is atoned for. I've always wondered about portraits of Isaiah. They never have a big burn on his lips. I actually thought about that in a dream the other day. I thought, why don't we have a burn on, I mean, I dream about odd things, but how come there's no burn on Isaiah's lips? And I, maybe, maybe there should be, you know, permanent, it was a vision I realized, but still, something symbolic. Then you'd know it was Isaiah. You know, we've got the four prophets on the right-hand side in the back of the sanctuary, and they're not identified. The apostles on the other side are, but the four are they prophets? Are they, are they all Paul in different stages of his life? or Because it's St. Paul's. Or are they Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and maybe Daniel or something? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. None of my predecessors knew. Uh, we talk about that every time we get a new pastor. And ever since C.J. Albrecht, pastor to pastor, pastor to pastor, the conversation resumes with each new pastor. No, I don't know who they are. <laughs> I don't know. I know that they were installed around 1910 or 19, no, 1912. That's when those windows were put in. That's because a couple of them have dates. So I know that it was about that. Otherwise, we had glass windows before then um, in the sanctuary, but I don't know who those apostles or prophets are. Um, anyway, uh, Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one. Instead, go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So you have priest, singular, and them, plural. Who's them? Well, first of all, which priest? Show yourself to the priest. Probably not, actually. But, uh, so when people came to the temple, um, the high priest or the duty priest, if the high priest was taking a nap or something or eating or whatever, there would be a priest on duty who would, when a new person would walk up with a question or an offering or whatever it was, the priest on duty, I'll say the high priest, would probably assign another priest your turn, take care of this new person. And they might do it, in, there might even be a, a you know, a, a numbering system like, oh, today I'm number seven. You know, so the seventh person who walks up, I just take care of. But the high priest may have called on somebody, you know. So, uh, Herb, you're next, he might say to the priest. And, uh, and, and, then, and then poor Herb might think, Oh, it's a leper. <laughs> I'm going to go look at the leper. So what would he do? Well, in the temple, I should have given you a picture of this, but in the temple, there in the, in the inner part, it was called the court of the men, where the sacrifices would happen, the altar was there and so forth. On the big outside of the temple was where, where Jesus did his teaching and so forth and where the money changers were. That was the court of the Gentiles. Well, in between them was this little area that was the steps from the court of the Gentiles that went up, there was a platform, and then they, the steps went up again, and then you're in the court of the men. That middle area was called the court of women. So uh, 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 the Hebrew women could gather there, you know, without permission, just go in there if they wanted to, to pray and, have, and, and they could see what was happening. And of course, if a woman had a sacrifice, 
or she could either go with her husband or go herself. She could go in there with a sacrifice, but into the, into the inner court because she has to make a sacrifice. But uh, normally women were, not, you know, not just walking up there. Nobody was. But women could, and, and, and a man without a sacrifice could go into the court of women. And there were four chambers that surrounded that court of the women. Um, and um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm forgetting what they all were, but one of them was where they kept all the firewood for the altar. Because one of the high priest's duties was he personally was responsible for the morning and evening sacrifice. He didn't have to do it, but he had to make sure that it got done. He had to make sure that the candelabra never ran out of oil and was always lit. And he was personally responsible that the fire on the altar never went out either. So, and David had actually had been kind of duped by some enemy tribe. And uh, they had claimed that they were like long lost Israelites or something. And they were actually just foes who didn't want to get killed. And so David made them permanent woodcutters and water carriers. So they, had to, they, they actually were responsible for bringing the lumber in to fill up that big old, um, we call it a wood pile probably, but it was a special chamber. Well, another one, another one of the four chambers was the chamber of the lepers. So that a leper could come in through a, through a side door uh, into this chamber without going through the court of the women. He could go in the back. And then a priest would come in through the front door. And I think that there was either a low wall um, or a, big, a bigger partition. But in some way, the priest was able to examine the leper um, without touching him. So I think a low wall like you... like. Like kind of what you run into at a bank or something, you know, would be there in a kind of a screened off area. Um, and he could examine him. And that's what, and then he was required to do this. So on the seventh day, he must shave off all of his hair, shave his head, his beard, his eyebrows, and the rest of his hair. Armpits too. You know, ugh. Why? Because he couldn't be properly examined if he still had his hair. So he had to shave everything to be properly examined. He must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water and he will be clean. On the eighth day, he must bring two male lambs and one ewe lamb, a year old, each without defect, along with three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and one log of oil. Three-tenths of an ephah is uh, a little bit less, oh, it's about a third of a bushel basket or a third of a laundry basket. Does that give you a mental picture? And a log of oil, I don't know, a pitcher of oil or whatever it was. Um, uh, maybe about as much oil as you'd buy at the grocery store. You know. And would you use the cheap stuff if you had to make a sacrifice? No, I would use, what's the really, really good olive oil? The, um, uh, no, 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 that's, that's just a variety. I mean, the actual brand, it's uh, Filippo Berrio. Yeah, if you get to that part of the olive oil eye, you're, you're, gonna, you're paying, it's not four bucks, it's like 40 for the same pitcher. That's the really good stuff, the Filippo Berrio. And yes, extra virgin olive oil, which means the very first pressing of the oil, not second pressing or something. Yeah, but good oil. And of course, if somebody couldn't afford it, 
there are always substitute sacrifices. Um, the only sacrifices that there could not be substitutes for were morning and evening sacrifice and the day of atonement sacrifice that the high priest had to make. I mean, a bull is a bull and a goat is a goat for Israel. But otherwise, anybody else. I mean, what did Mary offer when they came to name Jesus? A couple of doves, but it was supposed to be lambs. But you could make the sacrifice substitute offering of a couple of doves. And probably most lepers did not have the income to be able to offer. Well, as far as we know, nobody did this until maybe this guy um, who, who brought these uh, sacrifices. Um, so Jesus heals a leper and then has him go show himself to the priest. Oh, I, I asked you who, were the, who they were. That would be all the other priests. Because that would be the stunning part of the, of the miracle is when the guy went to the temple, a leper comes in and he's clean? I mean, when did that happen? So that would be the very, very unusual. So whoever the herb was had a great day. What a story to come back and tell the wife, you know, that evening. Um, okay. So that you've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.